Really? Okay. Good evening, everybody. I apologize for being a little too late. Okay. Does that sound good for everybody? Just let me know. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay. We are in Sefer Piskei Halacha. We forced. We are in the, I believe we're in the, towards the end of chapter one, part four, page 53. Uh, <clears throat> so just to, just to um, a brief review, um, just for a moment, we, we spoke last week about how to pronounce the name of Hashem properly. We spoke about taking Hashem's name in vain. We spoke about the proper kavana intent that a person should have in making a bracha. Those were some of the topics that we covered last week. Let's get into this idea of saying a bracha, a bracha levatala. What does it mean reciting a bracha in, a bracha in vain of what's called, what the Gemara calls, or what the Chazal call, what, I read, what, the, what the rabbis call in halacha, bracha levatala. So, so the first thing you need to know is what, what is the prohibition of a bracha levatala? No, let's understand first what you're doing wrong. So the Gemara says, when it says that when, when, when a person utters a bracha in vain, besides for the fact that he's utilizing the name of Hashem inappropriately, but the Gemara says that a bracha levatala is like making a false oath. So it's, it's the equivalent of making a false oath. Um, so so the, uh, the, the, the uh, idea would be just the same way as when a person makes an, an oath, there, there are two types of um, shvuos, of, of oaths that a person can make that are problematic. One is that a person can swear to something that is irrelevant, that doesn't need it, that doesn't require swearing. If I swear that a tree is a tree or that a table is a table, that's called, that's called a shua shav. And then there's what's called a shua sheker, which, is, which, is, which means an oath which is a lie, where I say X and really it's not true. Either way, either way, use, utilizing the name of Hashem, when I say, um, I, I, if a person were to say, I swear in the name of Hashem that this table is a table, right? So then, so then clearly you don't have the proper respect for the name of Hashem. Similarly, when a person makes a bracha levatala, the Chazal looked at it the same way. You know, as they look at it as, as a person doesn't have the appropriate respect for the name of Hashem. We're going to get to, in a, in a moment, um, whether or not this constitutes an Isser Da'araisa or an Isser Da'arabanan. I think we we we, uh, we mentioned that there's a difference as whether or not something is a Torah prohibition or rabbinic prohibition, not so much in terms of whether or not I have to keep it or not keep it. That's not the issue. The issue is simply, um, do I, do is um, what we would do in the situation of Suffolk and the situation of doubt or things like that. That's where, that's where, that's where it plays a, plays a role and we'll see how that affects the idea of Brachal Atal. But before we get to that, let's talk about the Brachal Atal itself. There's two types. There are two types of Brachal Atal. Again, remember, let's, let's keep in mind, we're using the, uh, the idea that the, the concept of Brachal Atal means similar to making an oath and in vain, meaning I say, swearing on something that's an obvious fact. I make an issue on that. that that's the similar idea when a person makes a bracha levatala. With that in mind, there are two, there are two, uh, there are two ways in which bracha levatala manifests, manifests itself. The first is bracha number one, uh, prohibition number one of a bracha levatala. One's called, one is called, one is more severe than the other. One is called bracha levatala, which means it's a bracha that's in vain, meaning this absolutely no purpose for making this bracha, and I went ahead and I made it anyway. We'll talk about examples of that in a moment. And then there's what we call a bracha she'ina tzricha, a bracha which is unnecessary. Again, the idea being, remember, that the, the underlying principle that we're talking about over here is that the concept of bracha levatala is not having the proper respect for the name of Hashem. So that would mean that when I'm making a bracha that is unnecessary, it's also somehow showing a disregard for Hashem Hashem. Now, Okay, well, well there, there is a, a piece of this that we, that we still have to figure out, but we'll get to that in a moment. Okay, so now what, what constitutes a bracha levatala? So a bracha levatala is a bracha that serves no function at all. For instance, for instance, um, uh, um, uh, if a person has no intention of eating something and he makes just goes ahead and makes a bracha, clearly that's a bracha levatala. That was a bracha, there's no purpose for that bracha, and you didn't, you, you didn't do it. So... Um, or, or um, let's say, for instance, um, 
a person's eating multiple different types of fruits, right? They're eating multiple things that have the exact same bracha. So here I have in mind that I'm only making the bracha on one of those items as opposed to all of those items. Knowing full well, again, we're not talking about where you changed your mind afterwards and decided to eat the second one. But I knowing full well that I plan to eat all the things that are out there in front of me. And then I, I simply, I pick up this item. And I say, this bracha is only on this apple. I am excluding the oranges, the plums, and the peaches. Right? And then I go ahead and I pick up a peach and I make another bracha on the peach. Now, somebody might say, wow, wonderful. What a great person. Don't, don't you see how that person intends to, uh, to bring the whole concept of bracha as we spoke about this beautiful idea of creating a connection between myself and Hashem and the whole purpose of he can be, he can be re- really like the, like the Rebbe that we spoke about the, a couple of weeks ago, that I, you eat, right? You eat, you eat, you make a bracha in order to eat the fruit. I eat the fruit in order to make a bracha. Ah, so now I, now I eat two fruits. I can make two brachas. Isn't that wonderful? No, it's not wonderful. Because the point is, if you have true respect for the Shem Hashem, remember the Isser, the prohibition here is not so much that you said Hashem, that you took the Shem Hashem Levatala, that you took the Shem Hashem without considering it, although we'll have to understand why that doesn't play an exact role over here. Well, not so much that you took the Shem Hashem, you took the name of Hashem and you said the name of Hashem in vain, but the Brachal Atala goes beyond that. The Brachal of Atala is that I'm, it's as though I'm making a false oath. It's an unnecessary oath, doing something that w- w- something that requires what's the, what's the, something that requires a certain seriousness, a certain um, the expression in, in Lashon Hakodesh is so much more beautiful, so much more descriptive. It's called COVID rush. COVID rush means there's like a heaviness to my head. Not heavy, not not sleepy heaviness. Mm-hmm. Heaviness meaning something that I give, like like we said, like we said the, the root of the word kavod a few weeks ago. I think I mentioned this idea. Kavod means you give weight to somebody. When you say when you say mashlom kvodo, what is how do you, how do you feel, sir? You want to say the, the way you say it in Hebrew is mashlom kvodo. How does how does your honor feel? Right in English, we only do that. We only do that in when, when we talk to a judge, right? You say your honor, but your what does your honor mean? Your honor means honor means. The, the the aspect of a person that I that I see as being dignified, as being important, as being, as being of significance. If you have proper COVID rush, proper seriousness, proper dignity for the bracha, then you understand you have to measure out every single word that you're saying. It's such an it's such a powerful idea. The power of what we say and how we say it is so important that it's, it's critical that if I'm going to say something, don't say the same thing twice. Don't, don't talk too many times. You, uh, you want to hear an extreme uh, manifestation of this is, it says in, in, the, in the deeper, in the deeper sperm, it says that every person has the exact measure of words that he's going to say in his lifetime. When you run out of words, that's the end of your life. When you've said all the, the number of words that were the quota, so to speak, of words that you are allotted, when you've finished your words, your life is over. The idea that a person has the koach, has the ability to say something, to identify something at its essence, needs to be taken seriously. So I can't just go ahead and say, oh, I'm going to make one bracha, and then I'm going to make another bracha to show how, how much kavod I have for the Rebunashim. No, if you had real kavod for the Rebunashim, then you would use the bracha to cover all of those things, not to say one at a time. That's what we call bracha lo'atala, bracha that serves no purpose whatsoever. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the, the most important area in which it is. There is an exception to this. Um, if you, for those of you that are interested, it's just a, it's a little bit of a, a try to stay with me on this one. It's a, this is a, this is a side point. You'll find it in, in footnotes number 79 at the bottom, if you want to review this, but it's just, it's a, it's an interesting idea. Just, just to get you thinking, there's a concept that we're going to talk about later, which is that there are sometimes, there are times when you make a bracha. So there's, if I have in front of me, Apples, oranges, and plums, they're all one bracha. They're all bracha bore priya eights, right? They all have the same bracha. There are times when you make one bracha and it covers more than one thing, not because it's the same bracha, but because something that I'm eating is predominant over the second, to what what is secondary to it. So I'll give you a a classical example of this. Um, If a person's eating a, person's eating a stew, assuming that the stew has in it uh, vegetables and meats and all the rest of that, what bracha do you make? Now, this is a, this is a more complex shalom for a little bit later, but the, the, the proper bracha to make in that situation is a shahakal, because the main thing you want to eat is the meat. The, the vegetables and everything else are just there to give flavor to the meat. 
So you're making a bracha shehakol, but you're not making a bracha on the other things because the the ikr, or the the primary food, overrides the tuffle, overrides the secondary foods. The main time you have such a thing, of course, is when you make hamotzi, when you make when you when you wash for bread. So everything else is considered secondary to the bread. But that's we're going to see. Actually, that's actually it might be a little bit different. It might be a that that have a separate halacha. But again, we're getting into things that are too complicated. So if a person had the opportunity to make one bracha to cover two things, because one thing was the predominant food that he was planning to eat, and the other one was only there sort of as as a, as an aid to the food, as an enhancer for the main food that he was eating. So it wouldn't necessarily require its own bracha. Okay. So in that situation, there are achronim. It seems to be a, it seems to be a debate amongst the poskim, amongst the halachic decisors. If a person had in mind only to let's say I want to make a, make a bracha, I'm going to make a bracha only on the meat, and then, or I'm going to make a bracha, I'm going to pick out one of the vegetables, I'm going to pick out a little piece of corn, I'm going to make a bari piyadam on the corn, and then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to eat the meat and make the shahakol afterwards. That gets us into the order of brachos already, and then that's a whole separate shmuz, a whole separate discussion, right? Is that considered a bracha? Is that considered a bracha at all? In that, under those circumstances, there are those that say that's different. That might not be a bracha at all because there. The only reason you weren't making a bracha on the second one on the second one was because it was only the episode. But I could eat it in a way that would have me a bracha on both of them. That would be a different thing. Or, for instance, um, okay, well, let, let, let's talk about bracha shayna tzricha now, which is this, which is a secondary type of bracha levatala, sort of, sort of a secondary type of bracha levatala, um, for which we have three examples. Right, but here it's not a bracha levatal. It's like a lesser degree of bracha levatal. Bracha levatal means the bracha you made served no purpose at all. It was completely unnecessary to make this bracha. Bracha shein tzricha means I have the possibility of of uh, of of uh, making a bracha on on two things, and and instead of doing so, I do it in a way that that re- that requires a secondary bracha. So let's say. Um, Um, the example I gave you for a bracha of atala was um, the example of bracha of atala would be that a person had made one bracha on multiple fruits and then he made another second bracha on the multiple fruits. A bracha shayna tzricha would be I think I said this a, a little bit wrong before that I, if I had didn't have kavana for the second bracha and then I get, went ahead and made a bracha on the second fruit so then that's a bracha shayna tzricha because you could have been both brachos with the first bracha and you went ahead and you made a second bracha. That's one type of bracha shayna tzricha. Another type of bracha shayna tzricha, and this comes up much more often. Let's say you're about to sit down at your Shabbos Suda, right? And you go into the, you made Kiddush already, so you're allowed to eat. Technically, you're allowed to eat. You go into the kitchen. This might be a shalom Kiddush Malcolm Suda. That's another discussion for another time. You go into the kitchen. Right, or your husband comes into the kitchen and he sees that you made, I don't know, you made a nice salad and you put like mandarin oranges on top of the salad. I'm giving away my sweet tooth, right? Right, you put mm-hmm. your mandarin oranges on the top of the thing. So now you're about to wash for bread. And what do you do? You go ahead and you pick one of those. I bet you want to slap your husband for this one, right? You pick that little mandarin orange, right? And or the kids, right? And they go ahead, they take the mandarin orange, make quickly make a berry for eats and they eat it. But you're about to wash for bread and you wouldn't require a second bracha. That would be considered a bracha shen tzricha because it, it, the fact is you didn't need to eat now. You could wash and then eat it without a bracha. So now, you should not have eaten because you, you can't you can't eat, right? You should rather wash and then you'll eat it after. Control yourself for a minute, right? A little bit of self-control is, is, some, is, is necessary. That would be considered um, a bracha shen tzricha. Um, if the meal was not ready to be served, Right, you're, you're you're still doing preparations, and when your kids kind of drifts into the kitchen, supposedly they're coming in to help you with the preparations. Meanwhile, just as you turn your back, you know you know what's going on. They're picking off just all the best stuff right off the top of the salad, or halvai is off the salad, right off the. They're opening up the freezer and pulling off the cherries off the dessert, right? So then, right? So, but there, you're not ready to eat yet. 
to make a bracha, then that would not be considered a bracha shina tzricha. That, that, you hear the difference? The one is, the bracha is unnecessary. You could get away without having this secondary bracha. So it's not considered completely a bracha of atal because at the end of the day, you still need it, you still need it, but it was, it was unnecessary. Um, similarly, like this, in, in remember, when we're talking about the halachas of brachas, we're talking about all brachas. So we're talking about bracha rishona and bracha chrona. So you can have a situation where you have to make a bracha me'en shalosh. Bracha me'en shalosh is what we call, in the vernacular, we refer to it as al-hamichya, the bracha of al-hamichya. But a bracha of al-hamichya gets you a little stuck because al-hamichya is also ala eitz, and there's also ala gefen, right? You know, if you drink wine, you have to make the same bracha. And if you eat one of the seven fruits, one of the one of the seven fruits, one, one of the shiras haminim, one of the seven fruits with which Israel is blessed, you also have to make that bracha. What happens if you ate all three? If you ate all three, so then there's a special, if you remember, if you look in the in the sitter, you'll see there's a special ending to the to the bracha to the, uh, the start and ending to the bracha that incorporates all three into one bracha. You could just make one bracha chrono to be yotze all of them. You can make an ala gefen together with al priya eights and an alamikya all together, all, all rolled into one. It happens more often by the kiddush. If you if you take a little bit of wine along with the person making kiddush, so then you have to make a on the mazonos and on the and on the on the wine that you drank, then you make a bracha and then you say and that's how the bracha ends off. Let's say you decide to be a wise guy. I want to make an extra bracha, so you make an alamichya. You just say alamichya. Now you still have to make alagefen. Then you have to make alavein. You say the whole bracha again to be yotze the wine. That's called a bracha shenetzricha. Again, it's not a bracha levatala. It's not a bracha that's in vain. It's not a bracha that serves no purpose. The bracha serves a purpose, but you could have gotten away with making that bracha with saying less brachos, and instead you expanded it to say an extra bracha. That is the that is the, that is the, that, that's the problem. So the distinction between bracha levatala and bracha shenetzricha is this. A bracha of atala serves no function at all. There's no purpose for this bracha. Whereas a bracha shenitzricha serves a purpose, however, it was unnecessary to do it. Um, it, it could have been avoided. And so it, it, it's it's still a sign of disrespect, but it's not obviously not to the same degree as a bracha shenitzricha. Now, whether or not this iser is an iser daraisa or an iser drabanan seems to be a machokas in the Gemara. The Gemara the Talmud seems to have a, as a, as a, as a, as a uh, um, there are those that say you're, this is a Torah prohibition of making false shvuas. The same as just as I said to mention to you before, there is a prohibition in the Torah of making a false shvuah, of making a saying saying something saying, saying uh, a a an oath falsely. So this will be this would include in the same thing. But um, but some hold right, um, and, and and furthermore, since since Lamaisa is at the end of the day, there is. You are saying Shem Shemayim Levatala. You are saying the Shem Hashem. You are saying the Shem Hashem unnecessarily. So for that, then that would be all that would be considered an Isser Torah and be an Isser Daraisa. There are other Shitos, there are other opinions that argue on that. And they say that, that the reality is at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I am making a bracha, meaning I am being Mavarech as Hashem. I am blessing the Rebunshalom. So how can you say that I'm taking Hashem's name in vain? I didn't mean it as not wanting to have respect for Hashem's name. I may have been not thought out properly in terms of proper, the proper dignity of how to treat Hashem's name. But at the end of the day, I did say a Shabbat. I said a praise of Hashem. And a person's allowed to praise Hashem all day. We say, don't we say it? We say Baruch Hashem all day. Somebody says, how are you doing? Baruch Hashem, great answer. Right, they didn't really say anything, but, but Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Right, but Baruch Hashem means what? what? You're, you're blessing the name of Hashem. That's, that's in itself in a mitzvah. That's, a, that's considered a mitzvah. That's considered a, that's considered a praiseworthy thing to do. So Baruch HaMatzalah may be inappropriate way of saying the Shem Hashem, but yet it's, to say that it's, that, it's, that it's Hashem's name in vain for no purpose at all, not quite. It's not the same as somebody who goes ahead and takes a shvur. So why the Gemara calls it like a, 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 a shvur, uh, like a shvur shav, the same thing as a shvur shav, it could be that the Gemara just means to compare it. Where do we find a comparable thing where utilizing the name of Hashem doesn't show proper respect, even though it wasn't saying something completely false? Like we understand it's clear to us that if a person says a shvur shekar, if I say about a table that it's a chair, I swear up in the name of Hashem's name, that a table is a chair, or that a chair is a table, that a tree is the uh, that a that a tree is blue. 
right? Or when it's that might be a little bit different, it's almost subjective, but that a tree is a that, a that a tree is a car and that a car is a tree. I understand that that's that's a bizarre that's a that's a that's a disrespect to Hashem's name. When I swear that the tree is a tree. Right, I, I'm telling you, this is what I saw. I saw that tree, and the tree was a tree. I saw the person's shirt was green, and it, I swear to you that it was green. So I'm, I'm swearing that something was green. So, so is it the 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 issue is a little bit less. So whether or not that 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 uh, whether whether or not that constitutes a derisa de kahalacha is uh, is a whole separate um, is a whole separate issue. Now, yeah, one misspoke. And meant to say, um, um, instead of saying Adama or vice versa, yeah, is that considered a brachal So again, if let's say let's say the person was was eating uh, a cookie, and 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 they weren't concentrating, so instead of saying they said a right? They, they just got distracted and they said barikriyates. That is a brachal atol. That is a bracha at all. You said a purpose bracha, which has which is not purposeless. It's not a bracha shein tzricha. The bracha you said was purposeless. Now, did you intend to do that? No. So you were sure to do what's what's called a it's what's called a, a shogig. I want to point that this is the, you're, what you're what you're pointing out, Mrs. Benz, is a very important thing. The question was, I don't know if everybody could hear, but Mrs. Benz asked if a person makes by, by mistake makes the wrong bracha. So is that considered a bracha of atal? The answer is yes. Of course, it's a bracha of atal. And here's I just, this, I, this is an important distinction that, that sometimes um, this gets lost on us um, when it comes to isurim daraisa. It's a, when it comes to to, to prohibitions. When it comes to when it comes to how Hakadosh Baruch Hu looks at our actions, our responsibility for our actions. There, there's there's three categories of actions that a person can take. There's something that's called mazed, which means it's deliberate. There's something that's called shogeg, which means it was inadvertent, and there's something that's called onus, which means that it was beyond my control. It was something that was that was that that I didn't that I, that I didn't have circumstances that were beyond my control. The Gemara is very clear, and the, the Chumash, the Torah is very clear that obviously, if you did something that was deliberate, of course you get punished for that. In Shemaim, they hold you accountable for that. Not only do they hold you accountable for that if you did something deliberate, but even when something, something did, somebody did something that's inadvertent, right? Let's say it's a more serious, more, on one of the more serious averas, so like which require, which would be a chi of kares, which would which come along, which which come along with a, a, a very severe punishment that involves a person dying before he's sixty years old, or or other types of cut, cut, cutting off of the neshama, spiritual type of punishments, you bring what's called a carbon chatas. You have to bring a carbon, you have to bring a sacrifice to the Beis HaMikdash, that even if a person transgresses a mitzvah saseh, he has the opportunity to do something, to do a mitzvah and he doesn't do it, he has to bring a carbon ola. He has to bring, you have to, you have to bring karbanos, you have to bring sacrificial offerings to the Beis HaMikdash to bring myself, the word carbon means to be karev, to make myself closer to the Rebunashon. The point is, by doing this Avera, I've created a barrier between myself and Hashem. Even though I did it inadvertently, I've created a barrier between myself and the Rebunashon, and I need to take away that, that barrier. I need to bring myself back closer to Hashem. I have to bring a carbon. Even when a person doesn't show you, it requires a kapara. Not only that, I want to take it one step further. Even when something happens to you that, that was inadvertent, that you had no control over, you're an onus, where you're not held accountable for that, and you don't have to do tshuva. At the end of the day, the fact that that onus happened to you is a me- the Rebunshim's way of messaging you, there's something not right in our relationship. We're not, we're not, uh, we're not good. We're not, we're, not, we're not there. We're not meeting where we're supposed to be. Wake up. You need to, you need to look around at you. The Gemara says, that that the uh, the the there's a parsha in the Torah called Iranidachas of the city of refuge, right? Um, uh, Ir Miklat, excuse me, Ir Miklat, the cities of refuge, right? So a person goes to an Ir Miklat. Who goes to an Ir Miklat? Somebody who killed somebody b'shogeg, somebody who accidentally caused the death of another person, right? What we would call manslaughter, right? So who ends up in the, who ends up in in these Ir Miklat? Somebody who Right, who who the Gemara says what happens? You have a person who did something deliberately, and he is at the bottom of the ladder, and that somebody else who has some other problems in his relation with Hashem, he's the one that falls down off that ladder onto that person that there was no proof who had deliberately done and kills him. Everything's out. Everything that happens in the world, you know, the the best way to think of it, I guess, is 
The, the world is, for the Rebbe Hashem, is one massive chess game. Every piece affects every other piece. Every action that we do affects all the other pieces on the board. Every, the whole situation is constantly fluid, is constantly shifting. The more important I am, or the more important I make myself in the Rebbe Hashem's world, meaning the greater the effect that I have on the world in terms of influencing, uh, I'll use one of my favorite lines, manifesting spiritual potential in the physical dimension, which is bringing down the shefa, bringing down the flow of spiritual energy from Hashem into the world, right? Anytime I'm, the more predominant I am in bringing down that spiritual energy into the world, the more effect my actions have on the world, positive, negative, deliberate, accidental, all of it is taken into effect and all of it has, has an impact. So when a person makes a brachal, says a brachal of Atala, he has a slip of the tongue. How did it happen? What, what, I, I've been making brachals my whole life, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. I've been making brachals for such a long time. How did it happen? It happened because there's something, there's some flaw in your relationship with your Rebbe there's some There's something wrong and you slipped up and you did something that needs to be fixed. It requires tshuva. It requires at least at least to, to do tshuva, a recognition that somewhere, somehow in my life, I'm not taking our Kaddish Baruch Hu seriously enough. And therefore, this thing, this kind of thing happens to me. So yes, if I made, I inadvertently made a bracha, I wasn't concentrating, I was making mazonos. By the way, there, you have it right there. You mean you weren't concentrating? You were saying a bracha. How were you not concentrating? Right? We spoke about that. You're supposed to have kavana. Hopefully, we have kavana every time we make a bracha. I'm making a bracha to the rebbeim. I'm talking about how Hakadosh comes down to me through this piece of food that I'm about to eat, and I make the wrong bracha on it. How did that happen? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, sometimes someone told you the wrong bracha. Sometimes you didn't know. Whatever it is, but at the end of the day, sometimes it's beyond your control. You didn't know what it was. You thought it was this, and it ended up really being something else. You thought you thought that it was made with wheat, and it's really it's made with right. It's made with spelt. Right? It's made with spelt. Not a good example. It's made with quinoa. Right. So somebody gives you hands you a cookie. You thought that it was a regular cookie, and turns out it was a quinoa cookie. You know, I, I imagine that they, somebody makes quinoa cookies. Right. So you may so keep a quinoa is a very piadama. And 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 wheat is a Bereim Amazonas. You made the wrong bracha. You didn't know. You know. But the fact is that we, somehow a Baruch made it that you said Hashem, the Shem Hashem not for not, not for the right purpose. That requires tshuva. Okay. Now we have certain situations where you can have a suffix bracha. Exactly what we just mentioned. That's a good segue into this next idea. A suffix bracha. I don't know whether or not I'm supposed to, what bracha I'm supposed to be making. I don't know if, if I'm supposed to be making a bracha. I don't know what it is. So that gets us into a whole the whole discussion of derises versus derabanans to whether it's a Torah obligation to make this bracha, not a Torah obligation to make this bracha. Is the bracha of a Torah bracha derais? Is is it a derabanan or derais? What, what what happens? So the if if you hold that making a bracha of a is only an iser derabanan. So then the whole idea over here is this is a suffix Durabanan, and by suffix Durabanan, we go Lakula, we go, we take the more lenient side. We're always going to be more lenient. Um, if it's even if you hold that it, it's a derisive, right, which would be that would be that would there there is a separate principle when it comes to brachos, we always err on the side of caution, not to make the bracha. We'd rather not make the bracha than make a bracha that's incorrect. I'm going to mention a couple of etos and a couple of suggestions in a few minutes. Right, what a person can do um, in order if a person's in a situation where he has other brachas that he wants that he needs to make. We'll talk. We'll talk about that. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But the the reality is that right. How do how we solve this problem of bracha of, of making a, a suffix bracha? But the reality is right. Um, so th- there is a principle that we have of suffix brachos lahakel. If a person has any doubt about which bracha you you have you you're supposed to make, right? So you should always go with the more lenient side. Now, what does that mean? Um, usually, if a person wants to be machmer, let me let, let, let me make this very clear. People think that being machmer, being being stringent, taking a more stringent attitude towards things, makes me more from, makes me somehow more religious, more God fearing, more closer to the Rebbeinu the reality is, the reality is, the Gemara says very clearly, kocha dehetera adif. Kocha dehetera adif means, the words kocha dehetera kocha, the strength of heter, of knowing the right thing to do and doing what is permissible, adif is always better. 
we'd always rather be able to do, be more lenient, not more stringent. Being more lenient indicates a greater level of knowledge, a greater level of understanding of what I'm doing, a greater level, which in itself denotes a greater connection to the Rebbe Shalom. It's a fascinating, as fascinating Torah that I like to say that, that that's connected to this, um, that from, from Ramosha Feinstein. Moshe Feinstein says there's a Pasuk in Tehillim. There's a Pasuk in Tehillim that um, says like this. The Pasuk is at the end of, of one of the Sheremalos, and it says, um, the, Gemara say, the Gemara in Brachos says the following. Gadol hanene miyegias kapoi, yoiser miyera shamayim. Greater is a person who benefits from the labor of his own hands, even more than a Yare Shemaim. Even more than a person who is God-fearing. So cynical people have their way, as you can easily imagine, what, what, how, the cynical, how the cynics want to translate that Gemara. But what that Gemara really means, Ramosha explains as follows. Gadol Hanenami Yigias Kapov means a person who puts in the time to study the halachos and know what the, what the Torah wants, Right, and, and the Gemara, I'm sorry, I left out a, a critical piece of this. So the Gemara brings a raya, the Gemara brings a, a proof to this from a Pasuk, because it says that an, a Yigiyas Kapa, a Gia Kapa, a Gemara says a, a Yare Shemayim, right, is, has Getzchar Min HaOlam. He gets Getzchar in Olam Haba. But uh, as uh, somebody who is a Yigiyas Kapa, somebody who works, gets the benefit of the work of his own hands, is Nana has the benefit of Minha Olam Va'ada Olam from this world and the world to come. It gets Nana from the, in this world and in the world to come. So greater, says the Gemara, says the Talmud, is someone who gets the benefit of his work, of his own labors, because he has the benefits of his labors in this world and he gets reward in the world to come. Explains the Moshe Feinstein what it's talking about is like this. If a person labors in, the, in, in Torah, he, he learns the halachos and he knows what's permissible and what's not permissible. So then you have a person who's a Yare Shemayim who never wants to do anything wrong and never wants to make any mistakes, doesn't want to do any Averas. So you ask him, can I eat this food? Eh, I'm not sure. I don't know. Okay, I'll be machmer. I won't eat it, right? So you didn't get the food. You get, do you get Tzchar and for not for, for having refrained from eating that food? Of course you do, because you expressed you're a Shemayim. You did it because you cared. You didn't want, you didn't want to do what Hashem doesn't want you to do. But the person who learned the halacha or picked up the telephone and called the star K and asked him, is this kosher? And the star K says, yeah, go ahead and eat it. So now he's nana, you know, let me get to eat the food. But I don't know, and he gets all star and as well, because he actually made the effort to, to do that. A person, there, there, there is a, there is a, a, an ideal not to be a machmer, not just to be stringent, not to always be in doubt and have to take the more Sometimes you're stuck. Sometimes you don't know. And sometimes you have to do that. But the ideal is to know. Go out and learn. And when you, after you learned and after you found out and after you got a person, you found a rob and you made a relationship with him and you're comfortable picking up the phone to call him. Now you can be nana mina olam olam from this world and in the world to come. You don't have to worry about it. And Ramosha Feinstein, by the way, believed in that very strongly. He wrote on the back of every smicha that he gave. You wanted, you wanted, you wanted to know, you know, Ramosha would say, go ahead. If people can call you rabbi, but make sure you call me when it comes to psak halacha. Okay, I, 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 but the point is, the person is going to make the effort. He's going to go, he's going to go out and he's going to, you're going to go find, you want to, you want to find out. So it is possible in certain, in many halachas, where you can just go lachomra. You can be stringent, you can be stringent. When it comes to brachos, being stringent in making brachos may put you in the situation where you're being lenient in taking Hashem's name in vain. Right, so being being stringent in brachos, I'm not sure. I ate a shear. I'm not sure if it's a big enough shear to make a bracha chrono or not. I have a suffix. Should I make a bracha chrono? Should I not make a bracha chrono? Oh, go ahead. Be stringent. Make the bracha chrono anyway. Oh, but if you weren't chayv in bracha chrono, if you weren't obligated to make a bracha chrono, you just made a bracha lavatala. You just said a name. You took Hashem's name in vain. You just did it for no reason. I ate two. I had two. I have, I have a food in front of me, and has a whole mixture of different things. I have a, I don't know uh, cornflakes. I don't know whether or not well, should I make a shahako on the milk. And a and a baripi on the on the cornflakes, or maybe the cornflakes are not hadama, maybe the cornflakes are really shahakal. Maybe I should just make a shahakal on the whole thing. Oh, go ahead and make two brachos. I'm gonna be machmer, I'm gonna cover all my bases, I'm gonna make two brachos. I'm gonna make hadama and I'm gonna make shahakal. No, you just made the wrong call. Really, because you really you're only supposed to make shahakal at all, especially the cornflakes. You gotta look at the cornflakes, the whole suffix, 
whether or not it's a, whether or not it's a, there's a hadama there at all because it gets ground up or it's reconstituted. We'll get to that another time. We'll get to that a little bit later. So it's not so simple that to always to be machmer. There, there's there's there may not be so much room to improvise over here um, more in, in, in anything else. There is a chiluk. There is a difference whether the bracha that you're making is daraisa or drabana. What are which brachos are daraisa? So we mentioned, if you remember, there are only two brachos that are definitely, there's only one bracha that's for sure daraisa, and there's one bracha, there's, there's one bracha that's a suffix, it's not clear, it may be daraisa. And by the way, both of those brachos, when it comes to ladies, the halacha may be different than it is for men. Okay? So, the Gemara says very clearly that if a person ate bread, and he ate enough bread to satisfy him, then he's chayav to bench midaraisa. He has to make yesterday benching, and the benching with the first three brachos of daraisa, and the fourth bracha is rabbanan, is rabbinic in origin, but there are, there are four brachos, the birkas hamazan that we have to say, that's a, that's a chi of daraisa, you have to say it. So if a person ate and filled himself up on bread, so you have to make, the Pasuk says, it's an explicit Pasuk in the Torah, the Pasuk says, if you eat and you're satisfied, and then you have to make a bracha, then you have to, you have to say a bracha, you have to say birkas hamazan. If a person has a suffix, whether or not he benched, doesn't know, maybe I, did I bench already, did I not bench already, he has what's called in front of him a suffix daraisa. When you have a suffix daraisa, when you have a doubt on a dinder, on an iser daraisa, on a question of, of something that is, that is a Torah prohibition, you have to go l'chumrah, and that would outweigh, for sure, especially if you hold that bracha vatala is only a dinder abanan, so then the, the iser, the daraisa of, of benching would outweigh uh, would outweigh the 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 din drabanan of of suffolk brachos the hakel and you would have to make you would have to bench again. Now, I want to my I, hopefully we're going to get to it. Like the caveat is that's for a man, right? For a lady, it might not be so pushing. Why? Because the brachos certain certain of the brachos certainly the the second and and third brachos is shallow whether or not that's derisive for a lady. But let let's get to that. Let's get to that in one minute. The, if a person didn't eat his full. Right, okay. I'm on page 58, number two, if, you, if you're following. The person did not eat his full, but he ate, he ate, but he ate a kazayas. He ate at least an olive, uh, a size, the size of an olive. So the halacha is, <clears throat> um, even if he wasn't satiated, the Gemara says that we're machmer, we are, we, the Bnei Yisrael are, we, the Jew, the Jewish people, accept upon ourselves an obligation to make Birkas Hamazan anyway. But if a person's uncertain, now it's only a suffix to Rabbanan, and in case of suffix to Rabbanan, right, you would not say, you would not repeat the Birkas HaMazan, because it's a, we would go with our suffix brachos lakula, with our halacha that, when, when it comes to a doubt that is rabbinic in origin, then it, it's, it's lakula. When it comes to a lady, I want to make sure we cover this, right, the halacha is that if a lady ate her full, right, um, so she's mechuyiv to make Birkas HaMazan, just like anyone, anyone, anyone else. Um, um, so if a lady had, I know the halacha is that women are chayav in Birkas Hamazan. The shallow is whether or not that whether or not that's a Torah obligation or or it's it's a din daraisa or din drabanan. So if that that machlokas, whether it's daraisa or drabanan, will impact what she should do if she's in a, in a situation of suffix. Now in, there are shitos that hold, there are opinions that say that ladies are mechuyav in Birkas Hamazan daraisa, then she would have to bench again. The shitas that say that she doesn't that that lady's only mechulim birkas hamazon midrabanan, so that you would not require to repeat it. So the 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 since um um since the uh, um the the din the shitas that hold um that women are mechulim birkas hamazon deraisa are significant, meaning there are. There are significant cheetos that hold that way. So la we would paskin that if a lady wanted to repeat Birkas Hamazan because she thought that she missed it, um, so she would be allowed to do it. Um, um, as opposed to regularly in uh, uh, so, uh, something that's a doubt, it's only a drabanan, so then she would not be allowed to do it. This seems to be a machokas between Rav Moshe, uh, excuse me, between the Mishnah Bura, between the Chafetz Chaim, and the and and uh, Rabbi Avadi Yosef. So the Mishnah holds that women would be mechuyev to repeat benching, 
and Revavad Yosef holds they would not. So I think it probably would break down on whether or not you're a Svar, whether or not you're Svardi or Ashkenazi. An Ashkenaz lady, if she's Masupuk, if she's in doubt whether or not she benched, she would have to uh, bench over again. And uh, But for if she's a Svardi lady, not Nusach Svard, but a Svardi lady, so then she would not repeat, she would not repeat this, she would not repeat the bench. Okay? Um, when it comes to the brachos main shalosh. So the Gemara says like this: there are shitos that say, since the psukim in Parshas Ekev that talk about benching, right before that it says that Akash Baruch Hu blessed Eretz Yisrael with the Shiva Saminim, with the seven species, and then it says immediately the pasuk immediately after that, right after that comes it says So it talks about benching. So some say that the din of main shalosh, the 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 alamechia, the alakeperos, alagefen, etc., that we make. Um, is Daraisa, which would mean that if you're Masupak, if you're if you don't remember, did I say Alamechia? Did I not say Alamechia? I'm dealing with a Suffolk Daraisa. I should repeat it. Some say no, it's only Drabanan, and therefore you would not review, would not repeat it. Um, so the, since I'll read it to you, his his Maskana on this, on the, his his conclusion on this in the last three lines of number four, since there's no clear consensus amongst the postkin as to the status of Me'in Shalosh, so the um, authorities suggest that one should resolve the dilemma and eat an appropriate amount of this, whatever the species is. Go ahead and eat another kazais of eat another few crackers, or eat another take a, take another few few grapes, or take another glass of wine, and then some inshallah. If that's not possible, then you should not repeat the bracha. Okay, because uh, because since there's a significant shita that holds that it's that it is only drapanan, so we would not repeat we would not repeat that bracha. Um, uh, when it comes to Birkas HaTorah, Birkas HaTorah is the only other bracha that it's a suffix, that's a doubt as to whether or not Birkas HaTorah is considered Doraisa or not. So there's solutions like this. There's, there's a number of solutions. First of all, again, it's going to be different for men and for women because the obligation to learn Torah is different for, between, for men and for women. So for a man who didn't say Birkas HaTorah, <clears throat> he has a suffix Doraisa. However, there's a solution for him. There's a simple solution. The Gemara tells us that the bracha of Ahava Rabba, Ahava Rabba is the bracha that you say right before the Shema. The Gemara says, if you have in mind when you're making the bracha of Ahava Rabba, that that should count for for, for Divrei Torah, because that's what that bracha talks about. Ahava Rabba, we talk about the great love that Hashem had for us, that he, that he gave us his Torah to study. It's called Ahava. gave us a Torah to study and to learn and to keep and to teach to others. Right, it was out of his great love to us. So that counts as Birkas HaTorah. A person could have in mind that that should be, if a person is not sure, he got up in the morning, he's not sure, did he make Birkas HaTorah? So he should have in mind when he makes the bracha of Ahavarava that he's being Yotze Birkas HaTorah. If he can't, doesn't, didn't do that, he already said Davin Shachris and he's still not sure if he said Birkas HaTorah and he knows he didn't have Kavana during Ahavarava to be Yotze the the halacha, or he wants to learn Torah now before davening, and he's not sure if he made a bracha. So the bracha of Asher bracha, Bonamikola Amim, is a bracha daraisa. That bracha he would say over. The other bracha, Sabirka Satora, he would not, he would not say over. So um, a lady, however, if it's Masopak, whether or not she said Birka Satora, her, her obligation to say Birka Satora is not daraisa, and therefore her suffix, her doubt over here, would be governed by Balochas of Suffolk Brachas Tahakel of going going to more to being more lenient with regard to what to do in the case of a Suffolk. We'll try to um Shem next week to find the rest of the <coughs> issues around <coughs> excuse me, around what constitutes a Suffolk for Suffolk Brachas Tahakel and some perhaps some creative solutions for solving that bracha as well as brachalamatal. So tonight we got through um, the halachos of bracha levatala, whether uh, and bracha shein atzricha, bracha levatala being a bracha that I make, that is completely of no purpose at all. There, it's a suffolk whether or not he might actually be over even on an isra Torah of saying of taking saying of saying a shvuas shav, making a false shvua for no purpose at all, which is which is partially taking Hashem's name in vain, but also partially a lav, a, a, a negative transgression. Of not to say Hashem's, not to swear falsely in the name of Hashem. That may, or, or some say that that's only an iser durapanan. 
The difference whether it's an Issa Drabana or an Issa is what happens in a situation of Suffolk. We said when in a situation of Suffolk, it only uh, really manifests with regard to those halachos that are brachos to Raisa, which is the bracha birkas hamazon and the main shalosh and potentially birkas haturah. That's specifically a suffix for for when it comes to birkas hamazon. It's for men and for ladies. If you're an, if you're Ashkenaz and you would repeat the bracha uh, for birkas haturah only for men and only if they haven't if they didn't have kavana in avaraba. And when it comes to main shalosh, so. There, it's a, it's enough of a doubt whether or not that's actually an Issa Darais or an Issa Drabana and so forth. So um, you would you would not repeat that bracha. You would rather say um, uh, you would rather you would rather not repeat the bracha over repeating it because repeating the bracha would be a suffix brachzalko. And of course, the abstract principle that we dealt with at length tonight, maybe a little bit too much at length, is the idea that that you don't always want to be a machmer. You'd rather be a makel. You'd rather be lenient. Because out of knowledge, then being machmer, out of ignorance, um, that is what the, the Rebbe Hashem really wants from you. That's what the Gemara tells us. Greater is the person who has the benefit of the work of his own hands, the study of the Torah, and the learning of the halachos, and the building of a relationship with somebody that can answer the questions for you, and picking up the telephone and making the proper heshadahs. Godel Yerashimayim is greater even than somebody who's a Yerashimayim, who simply does what he needs to do because the Rebbe said, oh, this is what I have to do and I'm not sure what to do. So now I'm going to be Machmir Misafik. Don't be Machmir Misafik. Ask your shalos, learn Nalachos, and make sure that you know what you're supposed to be doing rather than any other way. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a good Rebbe Shachar, Yeah, I have a question. Yeah. Um, so it's really just going back to what um, Mrs. Benz asked. Yes. When you, say, say for example, if you, okay, you, you make the bracha and then you realize, oh my gosh, okay, I made the wrong bracha. Then what is the teshuva that you're supposed to be doing? Uh, like, what well, do you was... do once you realize that, oh my gosh, because I okay, know so... Uncle Moshi said, stop, think, remember, but sometimes we don't do that. <laughs> so, so stop, think, and remember. So I, the, the two things I would say. Number one is, first of all, you have to make the proper bracha and then eat it. For, for that's the first thing you should do. <laughs> What you should do is you should take to heart the fact that Hashem is sending you a message that somehow in your relationship with him, you're not being careful enough. There's something there. There's it's something that a person would want to perhaps examine internally and say to myself, where am I not being serious enough in my relationship with Hashem that, that, that I made this mistake? Now, sometimes you're going to say, well, it was a genuine mistake. Or like, I, I didn't realize it was quinoa cookie. I was, somebody told me there was a it was a cookie and I didn't realize it was a quinoa cookie. So I made a mazonos and then they said, oh, no, it's quinoa. And, you, and then you realize, you realize what you're supposed to do. Okay, but again, it's a message. Take it as a message from Hashem that there's the lines are a little crossed between you and him. And you got to find you. It's up to you to find where that crossing is. Where's that Where's that little thing that I'm that? Where are those things that I'm not being careful enough in my relationship with Hashem? That's what I would say. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And then I do have. I'm sorry. Does anybody else have any questions? Because I, I have another question, but somebody else can go before me. Sounds like you're ready. Okay, fine. In the in the morning, when you do your morning brachas, is there a certain time that you have to be finished by? The brachos in the morning? No. Yeah. Whenever you get up, you say them. Okay. And can, can am I allowed to eat and drink before I say the brachas or no? Preferably not. Preferably no, not. Here's, Cup of here's coffee? the problem. Here's 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 the here's the here's the big problem. This is this ladies, I think, and I, again, this is something I need to look into again once more. But I believe that a woman's obligation for tefillah for davening is just to say one or two brachos, one or two bakashos, and you're that's your that's your chiyah for tefillah. On Shabbos morning, the halacha is if it's before davening, you can you can drink something if you if you if you drink. Some people even eat. I'm not sure that's the right thing to do, but some people even eat something before davening. Once you've davened, you're mechoyev to make kiddush. Once you've davened on Shabbos, you're mechoyev to make kiddush. For a man, davening means shman esrei. means if you didn't, as long as you didn't say shman shman esrei, you didn't daven yet, you don't have to make kiddush yet. For a lady, as soon as you said the brachos, I believe, you are already considered to have davened. You've already fulfilled your Torah for obligation for davening for the day, and you've already davened. So you're mechuyev to make kiddush before you can eat something. Not only, right, at that point you can eat, right. 
So you should make your brachos first. Generally speaking, I would say a lady should make her brachos first before she eats or drinks. Just like anybody else, the Gemara says, You've thrown me behind your back. Meaning that you put your own needs before the Rebbeinu That's that's what that's what the that's what the Gemara the Talmud considers somebody who eats what they daven as though they put their own needs in front of Hashem. And the Gemara has very critical of that. So it's definitely preferable that a person should at least for for sure for a lady she should at least say brachos first and then she should eat something. Once she said once she said brachos, as I said, she's already fulfilled her obligation of davening. So even if she didn't say Shema, even if she plans to say Shema and Shema Nesrei, she can still eat. Whereas a man, until he said Shema and Shema Nesrei, he really shouldn't be eating at all. Unless it's before so Amod HaShachar, unless it's before the morning, or if it's a, you know, a certain, again, there are exceptions to that. And if it's a difficult situation, he's got a long commute or something like that, it might be a little bit different. But that in, in, the, in the normal situation, that's the way it should be. That's the way it's supposed to be. Does that include water? No. You can drink a glass of water. You can even have a glass. You can even have coffee. For sure, you can have coffee without sugar or milk. I think that this is my own my own hashara of the halacha, that you could even have your coffee with milk and sugar because that's normal for us. In other words, if you look in the Mishnah Brewery, he says mm. that you can have plain coffee with no milk or, milk or sugar. But I believe that's because in his times, sugar and milk were luxuries. I don't think that we would consider sugar and milk a luxury, bismanazeh. So you're allowed to drink something. You're allowed to drink for sure a glass of water. It's not a problem at all. Um, uh, but even to have a cup of coffee, even with milk and sugar, I think is okay. Before that. So during the week, no eating before you before you say the brachas and, and shemona esrei. You don't have to say shemona. For a lady, you don't have to say shemona esrei. Before you said brachas. You should say brachas first, and then you can you can eat after that. For a, for a man, until he said shemona esrei. Hold on a second. You, a lady doesn't say Shemona Esrei every morning? She could. She should. But what I'm saying is this. The Torah obligation of a lady to daven, she's already fulfilled that obligation by the time she made brachos. Any okay. bakasha, anything that she says is, anything that she says that's a tefillah to Hashem, she's already yotze her obligation. Uh, women should daven every day. According to many posts, they should daven three times every day. But for sure, at least one tefillah a day, a full one full Shemona Esrei a day, a woman should say. But she's midoraisa, her Torah obligation, she already fulfilled just by saying brachos. So okay. therefore, since she fulfilled her Torah obligation, she's already allowed to eat. Whereas a man, his obligation is to say tefillah, which is actually Shemona Shman Esrei. So until he said Shemona Shman Esrei, he's not allowed to eat. Got it. Okay. There's one other thing I just wanted to share yeah. with you sure. and whoever's interested to listen. Last week you were telling us about the washing of the hands and how the, 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 it starts when you start to pour the water. Yeah. Right. So I believe I, Rabbi Schwartz is I think, I think that was Rabbi Schwartz's share, but go ahead. Oh, that was Rabbi Schwartz's share? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I heard the share too. So. Oh. oh, no. I was just so proud of myself because I realized that I was talking while I was washing my hands. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I do it. And I didn't even know I'm doing it. So I stopped myself yeah. twice. I did it twice. I stopped myself twice. And now I don't do it anymore. I'm really Good. proud of myself. Wonderful. Okay. I thought that was your shear. I wanted to give you a. <laughs> I believe those are Schwartz's <laughs> shear, but okay. Okay. All right, thank you. All right. Good night. All right, I'll, I'll let everybody know. Thank, thank you very much. It was wonderful.